0: Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and we're on to day, what is it, day five? Or we've gone past that? Yeah, we're on day five. And this is the third step in the Power Hour. The Power Hour, as you know, is how to keep you in the top three levels of the consciousness cone, which we call the leadership levels, or in relationship, it's called the loving levels, or in health, It's called the live long levels, whatever label you would love to give these levels. um, It's really important uh, to realize that uh, when you get up into these levels, it requires maintenance. It's not just about sitting on a cushion with a candle burning going, I'm meditating to get myself conscious. How you think, uh, how you treat your body. And now, what we're going to talk about about is the environment. Now, at the end of the day, you have to appreciate here, I'm an environmental engineer. That's what I qualified at uh, when I was uh, 23 years old. And I'm promising you that is a very, very long time ago. My passion for the environment began when I was 14, which is even longer ago from that. And so I've always been a person very sensitive to the environment. I grew up in Mildura in the bush. Um, I uh, hung out uh, under willow trees with uh, Aboriginal mums of the community and played with my mates who were Aboriginal kids. I lived in the desert in the, in a long way out of Mildura on a dirt country road um, in a little takeaway shop that uh, we owned and uh, which was the local post office for people to come in. Most of the people in that area at the time were um, uh, migrants to Australia uh, who had come on the $10 boat package uh, to try and create a labor force for Australia. And now, now who form the central core of Australia's diversity and, and uh, incredible uh, strength in the rural areas. And in Mildura, we grew grapes and all sorts of things. So. The environment was was stark and amazing and beautiful. We would spend hours going through the storage sheds where they stored all the grapes and let them dry to become sultanas and we would uh, uh, gorge ourselves and of course end up with massive diarrhea as a result. We played games on railway tracks, putting stones under railway wheels to watch these big freight trains coming roaring past and bang the rock and Shoot it flying in all directions, we swung from willow trees and we chased snakes across the grass. The environment uh, was life; the environment was life uh, the smell in the air we, I still have it to this day, I can smell rain, I can smell the dust storm, and we had uh, uh, of course, uh, in those days we didn 't have a washing machine; it was all done by heating up a big copper pot and uh, putting things in it and poking it with a stick for hours and hours and Using velvet soap in a cake and scraping it into there and rubbing it so everything got washed, and then we'd hang it out on on a on a on a rope, which was at those days called a clothesline, and we were able to pull the rope on a pulley to bring the rope uh, uh, bring the uh, next space closer to the hanging up, and we'd hang sheets there, and when the wind blew in the wrong direction, which you get about half an hour notice for. Uh, it would bring red dust. And if a sheet got red dust, it was finished. Uh, And I lived in red sheets (laughs) because I got all the old sheets that were no use to other people, Uh, 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 parents. So we continue. Sorry about that. The doorbell rang and I'm also the answering system for deliveries in my beautiful home apartment. So uh, we were talking about, uh, we are the environment, we're talking about Moldura. And we're talking about the importance of environment because the area around us becomes the most influential things in our life. And especially with lockdown, where people are spending a massive amount indoors inside their house, the environment around them is becoming an affirmation. To have rattly little kids, to have a partner that's not quite um, gelling with being uh, unable to escape the kids or... Uh, someone who's comfortable being at home, someone's not. This environment has become quite penetrative inside the consciousness of people and brought them down. I would say in general, it, the environment, no matter how uh, amazing uh, a, a home people live in, when there are people engaged in that house at being just who they are, which is kids being kids, um, Uh, and uh, uh, adults being adults, I think all the problems people had pre-COVID and pre-lockdown were amplified during the lockdown. The environment became much more uh, obvious than it was before. Uh, There are people who, for example, live in relatively um, humble or comfortable homes, but would jump in their train or the bus and go to an office which was The luxury of a billionaire and beautiful big glass walls and uh, windows out onto the universe and they would get something from that that they didn't intuit. This concept is called biophilia. It has a name and it has uh, a science and so the study of biophilia which is the origins of everything I do in the world is the influence of the environment on the human condition. Now Grossly, we talk about dust or pollution or smoke or, uh, you know, the the, the amount of um, uh, global warming. Uh, we talk about oceans rising. We talk about this on a gross level, the environment on a gross level. And that is really uh, important. But we also need to work on a, on the environment in a micro level. In other words, each individual lives in an environment and... When I work with uh, First Nation children, when I work in Canada, and I did a lot with youth at risk, which means they're going to commit suicide if they're not uh, diverted from that, that uh, uh, storyline. The primary uh, mechanism of influence was not the mind and the body, although those things were part of my process, as you know. The th- the most important thing was the environment and some of these young people would go home to abusive, violent, angry, alcohol-driven homes that were dilapidated and down in the dumps and this was the, where they were getting their sense of self from. And this sense of self, which I- I extracts from the environment, the micro-environment, uh, extracts from the micro-environment a, a perception of what is the world around me telling me about me. And uh, we, were, we, we spent a lot of time to try and engage the, the parents and grandparents of these children to give them a better sense of self uh, uh, rather than... But this was, of course, met with some uh, furious anger in many cases because people believed the environment they were in was their best. I also question the environment when I work with First Nation people of dressing in traditional clothing as some symbology of a message of a way to participate in a technological and scientific world. And although I I love the traditional clothing and the traditional outfits and traditional ceremonies of First Nation people and I and I immersed myself in that because I mean, that is like the Aboriginal of Australia has a lot to learn from, <clears throat> but it has no real uh, uh, projection uh, because it, 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 especially in the way they have harnessed it in Canada, it's a, it's a representation of a warrior and being a warrior in a, in a, in a modern world is a got to. And a, a got-to person in a modern world who's operating as a, mor- a warrior is going to end up in a lot of trouble, a lot of addictive trouble. <clears throat> it is not a love to, it's not a conscious place to be. And I worked really hard to immerse and teach the universal laws of nature to people who taught me the universal laws, laws of nature but had engaged them and connected them to, to an environment which was ancient and no longer relevant. So we are surrounded by symbology. We're surrounded by an affirmation. And this affirmation that surrounds us becomes really important. And I think I would like to suggest it becomes the single most important thing in the life of a leader. Now, I want to go through the phases of environment, but I want to start at a really complicated end of this conversation. And that is to say, the people with the most spare time, the people with the most uh, opportunity, and the people who have um, no really, uh, who, who live absolutely uh, uh, locked into their environment are the people who live in poverty. They don't have air tickets and they don't have boat tickets and they don't have fast cars to run away and escape into other environments. And so when you go to an area, and, and which is where I have worked a lot, where there is extreme poverty, what you find is extreme dirt, extremely disgusting uh, environments like garbage laid on the concrete, or laid on the ground outside, in the house, around the house, under the house, through the house. You find mangy dogs uh, that are unkept and un, uncared for, Uh, uh, patrolling, looking for uh, um, bits out of the garbage. And I'm talking here about not not just um, South Africa, ghettos. I'm talking about Nepal. I'm talking about India. I'm talking about places where there is extreme self-deprecation, extreme poverty, and people have extremely large amounts of time on their hand. The two things they do with that time is drink uh, and fuck. They do those two things a lot and so they make babies and babies come into these environments. There are, it would only take half a day for a bunch of people who all live on top of each other to pick up papers and put them in some container and make it all pretty, but they don't. And yet last year or two years ago, when I was in the uh, Netherlands, we went to the home of a friend of uh, Lotte, my partner, and he's a uh, one of the richest men in Netherlands. He's a multi, multi, multi billionaire. He owns the car franchises for Volvo, Mercedes, Porsche, and and uh, uh, Audi throughout the whole of uh, most of Europe. And so this guy is a. a, a we go to his house, and it is impeccable. I'm talking about a front gate you could eat a dinner off that slides open, and there along the side are are twenty cubicles. Glass fronted cubicles, dust proof, soundproof cubicles containing vintage cars, each of them worth uh, millions of dollars, antiques that he has someone full time dusting and caring for. The, 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 the gardens and the lawns are manicured to perfection. We sat on his beautiful, beautiful balcony overlooking a 25 meter uh, swimming pool with a gymnasium and manicured gardens. And he does a lot of it himself and his wife does a lot of it herself. They love being out there, but they love making things clean, perfect, organized. And, and they don't necessarily do it just because they can throw billion dollars at it. They do it because it's a really important affirmation for wealth. That you not only care for the world, but you care for the environment That you live in. Now, this is about, let's just shrink it down and getting more and more micro here. This is about your office desk, your home desk. This is about your bedroom, your lounge room. This is about the floor. This is about the the balcony, the backyard. This is about you saying, I don't have to have this thing manicured, but what I need to do is to keep it looking like I'm a billionaire. Because the affirmation that's coming back to you all the time. From these environments is penetrating. I went to the home of a couple who were really struggling in life, and I went to their home to help them and meet because I was working with her, and and she wanted me to meet him and talk things through. And above the mantelpiece, there was a picture from a movie that was um, Marlon Brando in a movie uh, about being caught in a communist a uh, prisoner camp here, uh, uh, up in the uh, Mekong Delta or something up there. And it was a picture of a man in a swamp in a cage with just enough room to breathe with his head b- taking a breath through these, uh, these, the, 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 the cage uh, with rats everywhere and this dark, dirty, horrible uh, ugliness. And I, I said to them, what the freaking hell have you got this on the lounge room above the mantel up there? And he says, well, it's a very, very expensive piece of art. And I said, I know it is, but do you know what that's saying in your home? And then I look across and there's a, va- a vase and I said, what's in that? That's well, it's a, And they said, that's the ashes of uh, her brother or mother or something like that. And I go, the fricking hell! You've got dead people on your mantelpiece, and you've got dead people above your mantelpiece, and you, you're wondering why your relationships into poop. And I've, I, I just and this, they, uh, these people were quite wealthy, had very high jobs, and yet the place was uh, furnished with the most disgusting uh, things they found off the street, and uh, it was it was really uh, as bad as uh, any. Uh, ghetto I've been in and, and, and they were wondering why this relationship that was really quite beautiful was struggling and, and in, a, in a mess because the, the environment was a toilet. Our environment goes to the very, uh, very nub of our desk and what we look at when we look across our desk and what are the symbols on our desk that bring us back to a higher level of consciousness. They aren't a picture of a dead grandma, They are not a picture of someone past. They are pictures of the future. They are symbols and and they don't have to be statues of the Buddha, but they have to be something that represents the goodness and the richness of life, a a green plant, uh, a beautiful picture on the wall of somewhere you'd love to be in the future. These things are affirmations of life and these are the environment that engage us, that stimulate us subliminally. The subliminal notion of motivation, the subliminal motion of leadership is something that very few people talk about. But for me, it's the single most important thing. It was when I lived in Mildura as a kid or in Melbourne in the out, uh, outskirts in apple orchards as a growing up teenager. Um, it, it wasn't the apple tree. It wasn't the apple on the tree. It was the subliminal message of freshness and fruit and nourishment for free and, the, and this, this just a complete subliminal message of being in these beautiful valleys and, and, and playing in creeks and doing all sorts of things. It was the underlying message of richness and, and, uh, and wealth and beauty that in, 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 in the end dictated my life. And we bought a house that had a basement. And I ended up building a cubby house in the basement. And not long after, I built the cubby house in the basement, not far from the place in the basement of our house where we stored the coal for our brick uh, fireplace. In the old days, we didn't have the facilities and the chop the wood and, and, and brought it up the stairs to the big uh, hearth and set the fire uh, it wasn't long after I started to hibernate and do my homework down in, this, in the privacy of my basement that I started to become a thug and I went out and started stealing things and breaking into things and, 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 and again, it can, you can see the environment I created for myself, this dungeon, this cell, uh, this almost, I was uh, locating myself in isolation from uh, my very alcoholic stepmother to try and find my own solace. I built it in, in, a, in a dungeon rather than built it in a castle and I so- isolated myself from the beauty of nature in some ways. that affected my behaviour. I think it's really important to realise that this is typically why we go on holidays and why we run away from our environment because it's not good enough and we don't need to go on holidays if we build a beautiful environment around us. If I'm looking where I'm looking from now, I'm looking at a, a palm plant, which is huge and grown since we bought it, and it's actually now covering my the complete greenery outside my balcony window from which my office sits. I have symbols on the desk. I have a Buddha statue. I have a uh, one of my book covers that was signed by the book company, and I have that book cover sitting in a in a frame on my desk, the Pathwalker. So I, my uh, iMac 27-inch computer, it's a brand new one. I I, I, I really think uh, if you're doing the work you do in the world, you deserve the equipment that, that reflects the, the, the quality of the thing you're trying to produce. And so I think these things, my desk is wooden, it's raw wood, it's not uh, covered with any varnish or thing, it's actually wood and if, it, if I spill coffee or tea on it, it, it makes a stain. And I love that. I love the real feel of real timber as a desk. These things are tending subliminal messages to us. And I think we've covered that topic off enough for you to say to you, maybe this weekend or next chance you get, it's a perfect opportunity to declutter. And declutter means kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. And what it says is the simpler your environment, the less clutter you have in it, the more you will see the, the, the opportunity, the, the beauty of it, and the more you can surround your thing, yourself with things that are relevant, not things you're hanging on to because they belong to grandma or they belong to grandpa or, or that they they're too got too much story in them to let go. It's sometimes time not only to unlearn the things that are in your mind, and the things that are stuck in your body. But sometimes it's also time to unlearn your environment and release the things you're hanging on to those dirty old undies that are in the drawer that you think you might wear one day if ever you go camping again. And that G string that you bought that's the only one you've ever had. And it was the first one you ever had. And it's maybe those things and the bra that, you know, when you were making a baby or when you were smaller, these things we hang on to. And we go, oh, one day, Sunday, and you go, no, if you haven't worn it for the last six months, it's probably, it's probably time to unlearn it, to release it out of your environment. But these aren't the important things. These are secondary. Primary of importance in environment are the clothes you wear. If you change, if you change yourself, if you change your mind, if you change your body, if you change your attitude. If you change anything, nobody on earth will believe you've changed if you're wearing the same clothes and you look the same as you were before you change. People represent change through the environment and they represent you through what you wear. And if you're still in the same uniform, if you're still in the same style of clothes, if you're still wearing blue jeans with holes in the knees and you're fifty something years old, you might be saying, saying to yourself, I, I've been trying to hang on to this. Look for so long, but I've changed so much that nobody believes me. Or if you're wearing shirts with ties, and you've changed, and that change has been in a different direction, you might want to think about dumping the shirts and ties at the at the brotherhood and saying, you know, it's time for a new environment. The clothes we wear, both our underwear, and in very much importantly, our quality of our underwear, because I guarantee you, the billionaire is not wearing. One dollar, ten for a dollar. Kmart jocks or three for three dollar g strings. They're not wearing these things. They just—it's not because they can afford it. It's just they just those things are just damn ugly. And so, it's good to put on our body what is what is also uh, an which is an environmental decoration. It's also good to recognize the importance of what we put on our body, both as who we are, and a projection of who we are. We are the environment we create. So not only do we give ourselves subliminal messages by what we wear, we are giving those that follow us. We are a leader. And if we look the same as them, if we look the same as what we were before we were their leader, and we look the same year after year after year by just being careless in a way about what we wear, Don't expect people to recognise that there's been an evolution in the business uh, and an evolution in you and an evolution in your leadership. So your clothing becomes a benchmark. It becomes a symbol. And there is only one way to master the art of wearing clothes, and that is to have the ability to unlearn what you used to wear and give it away. Because we are masters of convenience. That's the way the brain is uh, built. It's built to systematize, automatize. And so if there's something in the cupboard, it's close. You've worn it before. You will put it on before something new quite often because it's just more convenient, more comfortable to put on the old slippers than to put on the new ones. So we've now gone through the layers of the environment, your hair, the glasses you wear or the shoes you wear. It, it is all are um, really, really critical to staying in the top three levels of the consciousness cone. They are all really critical elements of your representation of yourself as a leader. They are all really important as a symbol of the wealth that you wish to sustain in on the planet. And if you're walking around with an old pair of shoes on and a pair of uh, pants and you say nobody cares, somebody does, you do. If you meet people, even as I've worked with the movie stars in times around the world, they care. They care how they dress and they do it for themselves as well as a projection of the image they want to create. But they spend a lot of energy looking good. They dress to success. And sometimes people spend a lot of energy dressing for failure. But some, most of the time, and you know, I've dated, uh, I married one model. She worked in Italy and she was a, uh, had become an actor and she's this astonishingly beautiful person. But she spent an, a significant amount of time each day making sure what she was putting on herself in, in the way of clothing. And she condemned me critically for what I turned up in because I was also part of her packaging part of also her environment. And I turned up one day to go for a cup of coffee at the local shops thinking, well, this is not too important. It's just coffee and I can wear my dirty... And I had a pair of sandals on and a pair of socks because it was a bit cool. So instead of putting shoes on, I put sandals and I had socks on in the sandals and she refused to leave the house with me. And it was the first time in how do I know how old I was, 40? First time in 40 years anybody told me not to wear sandals with socks. So a lot of this stuff that we do environmentally with ourselves is very much a product of the environment we've grown up in and the environment we've been in that accepts mediocrity or accepts who we were and the way we were. And yet I was long time, I had long time left that environment. Here I was dating uh, a very famous individual and here I was turning up, still dressing like an idiot uh, from 20, maybe even 20 years before. It's a day today to sit and think and make some notes for yourself and look around and say, what am I hanging on to? And do I can I unlearn a lot of this? And can I tidy up the garage? And can I tidy up the car? And clean up the, the trunk of the car? And clean up this clothes that are in my undies drawer and thin it out? And say, you know what? If I haven't worn it for six months, it's time to give it away. Let's one person's junk becomes another person's treasure. You know that. Uh, by the way, they don't accept underpants at Brotherhood shops. <laughs> They have to be either cleaning rags or discreetly disposed of in the red bin. Today, we're talking about environment. We're talking about your environment, the subliminal messages that are entering your mind to keep you in which zone? A dirty, unkept, rattled, careless environment is a got-to space. A anal retentive, sterile uh, space where there's just no... Sense of future and purpose is a should space, an emotionally charged space like the client I talked about with his picture of Marlon Brando and a death cell and uh, the ashes on the desk. That's a need to. It's a very emotive, uh, whether it's romantic emotive or a disgusting emotive. It's a it's a need to space. A want to space has pictures of the next car and the next boat and the next, next, next in it. And that's another ambitious uh, environmental thing. I love to space. It reflects perfectly the destiny of the individual. It reflects the intent, the intent we put into everything we do. In other words, if we say the word intent, it means a sense of purpose. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow when we talk about your values. But until such time as you have master of control of your environment, it is absolutely a waste of time to talk about values, priorities and what you represent to the world because your environment will keep you locked down if you don't keep modifying it and improving it and doing things to create a holiday wherever you live. This is Chris. Have a beautiful day.